0: So what is the hottest Christmas present this year? According to Big W, it's the 8-gig iPod Touch. If you've bought one of those for someone, well done. According to Amazon.com, though, we're going a bit bigger than Australia now. We're going worldwide. The bestseller is the Kindle electronic book thing, if you know what that is. I've never actually seen one. And coming in second is a GPS for your car, a TomTom or a Navman. Let's go to Czechoslovakia, though. Why wouldn't you? (laughs) According to a Czechoslovakian newspaper, a gift that is growing in popularity this year based on sales figures is a gift certificate for breast enlargements, hair extensions and liposuction treatments. I'm not sure what you're meant to think if you get one of those in your Christmas card. (laughs) Although, back to Australia, and Nintendo Wii's are still pretty popular. Although be careful because according to the Sydney Morning Herald last year in the February Sydney Morning Herald, based on returns figures to shops, the most returned present last year was not underpants or pyjamas but Nintendo Wii games and MP3 players came in second, the most returned item in Australia and both of them were big on eBay in January. Wonder what sort of things you've been buying for Christmas this year. It's hard, isn't it, sometimes to work out what people want? Can I suggest it's even harder sometimes to work out what people need? In fact, I wonder what you need this Christmas. Not what you want, not what you think you need. What is it that you most need in your life? Do you need anything? Maybe you have everything you need. We're pretty well off in Australia, aren't we? Over the past few weeks here at DPC, we've been working through the Gospel of Mark, which is a biography of Jesus. This morning, we're up to Mark chapter 5. It's actually a great passage to look at a few days out from Christmas because it's all about Jesus helping some people who are in need. And it's a good passage because it helps us to think about what is our real need. In Mark 5, if you were listening as it was read, we met two people, didn't we, who were both in need, but they were quite different. The first person was Jairus, a man with a sick daughter. And did you notice it said he's a synagogue ruler? The synagogue was the Jewish meeting place. He's in charge of the synagogue, so he's in quite a popular position, probably well off financially, doing fairly well in life. At least he's in a position of authority. Although none of, none of that, none of those credentials, not that even that job helps him because he has a very serious problem. Verse 22. Then one of the synagogue rulers named Jairus came there. Seeing Jesus, he fell at his feet and pleaded earnestly with him, my little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she'll be healed and live. I reckon there's nothing that breaks a dad's heart more than watching his little girl suffer. And if you're a dad with a daughter, you'll know that. I remember earlier in the year, our little girl, Laura, broke her leg. And I remember taking her to hospital, going to emergency, going through the x-rays, and then she had to get moved from one bed to the other, and she just looked up at me with this complete look of desperation in her eyes, and she knew that I was the one who could help her. And she said, No, Daddy, no. Please don't move me. It hurts. Broke my heart. I just remember those words and her little look. Right here, Jairus has a daughter, and she's about to die. And there's nothing that he can do to help. He's watching his daughter's life slip away. Now, most of the time in Jesus' day, Sick people were brought to Jesus to be healed, but this girl is too sick for that. So Jairus is hoping that Jesus might come home and help his daughter. Jesus decides to do just that, to go to Jairus' home and help his daughter. But on the way there, we meet another girl. A woman, in fact, who also has a desperate need, although she's very different to Jairus. She's on the other end of the spectrum. She's not rich. She's poor. In fact, Mark says what little money she had, she's used it all up on doctors. She's not very popular. In fact, she's not even named by Mark. We don't know anything about her. She's a nobody. And she's not bleeding from the nose or her mouth. She's bleeding from a part of her body that Mark would prefer not to mention, although the word suggests where it's from. And in her day, where people are much more superstitious than they are now, this woman would be seen as being unclean dirty. She would be an outcast. Did you notice that she sneaks up in the crowd and she tries to touch Jesus without drawing attention to herself? Probably because this woman should not even be out in public because of her condition. And as Mark tells this incident, it seems that he wants us to notice this woman's desperation. He mentions that she's been bleeding for 12 years. That's a long time, 12 years. And verse 26, she had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had, yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. Who knows what dreadful treatments doctors might have tried 2,000 years ago on a woman who was bleeding. I hate to think about it, but whatever they have tried, they have made her bleeding worse. She's run out of money, she's got no more money for doctors, she's gained nothing, she's worse, she's absolutely desperate. She just, I don't know whether she's heard about Jesus or what, she just wants to get near him, touch him and see what happens. So when she heard about Jesus, verse 27, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak. She thought, if I just touch his clothes, I'll be healed. And it works. Straight away, when this woman touches Jesus, I don't know what happens, but she has some kind of sensation, and she knows that she's healed. And she's got what she wanted for. She tries to slip back into the crowd so that no one will notice. But that's not going to happen. Verse 30. At once, Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd and said, "'Who touched my clothes?' That's strange because he's in the middle of a crowd. Everyone's touching him. He says, who touched me? This is like someone in a rugby scrum sticking up their head and saying, who touched me? Everyone's touching him. The disciples pick up on that verse 31. You see the people crowding around you, his disciples answered. And yet you can ask, who touched me? But that's not what Jesus is talking about, is it? The woman knows it. Verse 32. Jesus kept looking round. To see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet and trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. That kind of seems like a strange thing for Jesus to do. All this woman wants to do after years of embarrassment, now she's healed, she just wants to go home quietly. Why is it that Jesus makes this shy woman stand up? Why does he call attention to her? It's so that she can go in peace. It's so that she doesn't have to live with the guilt of sneakily being healed by Jesus. Her biggest need is not just to be healed, but to be right with Jesus. And that's what Jesus says in verse 34. He said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. And so the woman goes away whole, healed. But back to Jairus and his daughter, because remember, Jesus is in the crowd. This woman comes up to him, but that was all on the way to Jairus' house. But while all this has been happening, Jairus' daughter, who was sick, has died. Jairus has gone from being in a desperate situation to really, it's all over. But it's not all over for Jesus, verse 36, ignoring what they said. Jesus told the synagogue ruler, don't be afraid, just believe. He did not let anyone follow him except Peter, James and John and the brother of James. When they came to the home of the synagogue ruler, Jesus saw a commotion with people crying and wailing loudly. He went in and said to them, why all this commotion and wailing? The child is not dead, but asleep. But they laughed at him. After he put them all out, he took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him and went in where the child was. Now, if you have been reading Mark's Gospel, where Jesus has already done a lot of miracles, this one is interesting. It's different because all the other ones Jesus does, he does them in public to teach people something about his authority and who he is. But this time, Jesus is not concerned with other people seeing He's concerned about helping a man with a sick little girl. And so after putting everyone else out, look at what Jesus does. Verse 41, he took her by the hand and said to her, Talitha kum, which means little girl, I say to you, get up. Immediately, the girl stood up walked around. She was 12 years old. At this, they were completely astonished. He gave strict orders not to let anyone know about this, and he told them to give her something to eat. I love that verse 43. Firstly, because just the fact that Jesus says, don't tell anyone about it, because the crowds are so big, they were hindering Jesus' ministry. Uh, It's just a nice little aside. But secondly, what do you do when a little girl has been raised back to life? I mean, this kind of thing just doesn't happen. So what do you do? Well, Jesus says... Give her something to eat. She's better now. Look after her. And so this is a day in the life of Jesus. And in this very short section of Mark's biography, Jesus helps two people in their most desperate need, an important man and an unknown woman. Both of them meet Jesus. Both have their most desperate need fixed. And like I said earlier, I reckon it's a good passage to think about heading into Christmas because Christmas is about Jesus meeting our most desperate need. Christmas is about God giving us something. Now, God could have given us anything. He owns the world and any th- everything in it. The sky's the limit. But Christmas is about God coming into the world to give us what we most need to meet our deepest need. And before Jesus was born, God told us exactly what that deepest need was. When the angel appeared to Joseph and announced that Jesus was going to be born, this is what he said about Mary. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. In that one little verse, the Bible tells us why Jesus was born. To save people from their sins. And so also in that one little verse, the Bible tells you what is your deepest need. Your sin. That is our biggest problem. Now if I asked you this morning what was the biggest problem in your life at the moment, you might say all sorts of things. You might say my biggest problem in my life is a health problem. You might say the biggest problem in my life is a marriage problem. You might say the biggest problem in my life is sadness or loneliness or a problem at work. But according to God, your biggest problem is your sin. In other words, the things that you do wrong, the things that stop you from being friends with God. Now, you might know that. You might sense already that things are not right between you and God. You might know that there's something wrong and you're not sure what to do about it or how to fix it up. Now, if that's you, then the message about Christmas is the best news you could possibly hear because Jesus came to rescue people from their sins. Jesus came to save people from the mess they make with their lives and he did that when he died on the cross. We just had the HSC um, marks come out and before that we had people doing their HSC, didn't we? When I was in year 12, my parents went away on holidays just before the HSC and there was two weeks of holidays and they left me at home to study. They left me with the car and the house just for two weeks and the deal was I was meant to be studying but I was a bit naughty and I didn't do lots of study. We set up the drum kit and the electric guitars in the lounge room, had friends over all day, and one night I got caught by the police doing donuts in a park in town. So this is what not to do if you got on your peas. I got booked for negligent driving. I had quite a big fine. I was in huge trouble and I didn't have any money. There was no way I could pay the fine, and if I had to go to Mum and Dad for the money, I was in big trouble. I had some friends in the car, a particularly good friend who had a job. He paid the fine for me. He bailed me out, and Mum and Dad did not find out about it until my 21st birthday. <laughs> when I actually found out that Mum had discovered the negligent driving ticket in my Bible a year earlier, and she knew about it, she just kept it quiet. She's a beautiful <laughs> mum. Now, that, that's kind of a bad example, But when Jesus died on the cross, it was like he was paying the fine for us for the bad things that we've done against God. But it wasn't some kind of cover-up operation by Jesus without God knowing about it. God the Father sent Jesus into the world to die for us. It was announced that was the reason he was coming before he was born, to rescue us from our sin so that we can be friends with God. That's what Christmas is about. You will give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Your most desperate need, your deepest need, whether you realise it or not, is to be forgiven by God. doesn't matter how successful or responsible or good or well-off you are, like Jairus, this is not a problem you can fix yourself. And it doesn't matter how ashamed or filthy or embarrassed you feel about what you've done, like the woman who came to Jesus, Jesus wants to help you. And all you have to do if you want Jesus to help you, if you want your deepest need met, if you want to be friends with God, is come to Jesus, say that you have not lived with him as your king, trust him, ask for his help, and live with him as your king. And if you want to be friends with God, what better time to do it than Christmas? Now, maybe you're sitting here this morning and you don't think that's your deepest need. You might think, my life's okay. You might be just happy to have Christmas as a time to remember family and and be with friends and enjoy the world and all this God stuff. Well, you can do without it. Well, all I can say to you is the problem does not go away if you ignore it. And so for you, I hope that sometime in the future, you do realise your desperate need before God. And at that point, please remember that Jesus can save you. Because we can so easily get proud and think that we're okay with God, but life is not okay until we're forgiven by God. And sometimes God sends things along in our lives to break us and make us realise we're not as invincible as we think we are. Like Jairus, like this woman. I hope that doesn't happen to you, but I hope that you realise what your deepest need really is. That you realise that you're not connected with your creator, the very one who made you and gave you life and purpose. And so if you do get to that point, then know this, Jesus is the one who can help you. That's why he came. But if you're here this morning and you realise that you'll need to be forgiven by God, it's as simple as throwing yourself on the mercy of Jesus like Jairus did, like this woman did, and trust him and your sins will be forgiven and you'll be right with God. And if you do that, then you really have the best Christmas present that you could ever hope for. Imagine that, for Christmas, not getting an iPod touch, not getting a computer game, but for the first time in your life, being friends with God again. That's what Christmas is about. Jesus came to rescue people from their sins.